Good morning. I'm James Hellman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, August 15th. In today's news, a seven-hour standoff in Philadelphia is over with six police officers wounded. John Hickenlooper is poised to drop out of the presidential race, probably today. And Bibi Netanyahu may block two members of the squad from entering Israel. But first, the big idea. An autopsy found that Jeffrey Epstein sustained multiple breaks in his neck bones, deepening the mystery about the circumstances surrounding his death. Among the bones broken in Epstein's neck was the hyoid bone, which in men is near the Adam's apple. According to forensics experts and studies on this subject, such breaks can occur in those who hang themselves, particularly if they're older, but they are more common in victims of homicide by strangulation. These details, which my Post colleagues Carol Lennig and Aaron Davis scooped overnight, are the first findings to emerge from the autopsy. The convicted sex offender died early Saturday morning. Guards found him hanging in a cell at the Metropolitan Correctional Center in Manhattan. Attorney General Bill Barr, whose department oversees the Bureau of Prisons, described the death as an apparent suicide. On Sunday, the office of New York City's chief medical examiner, Barbara Sampson, completed an autopsy of the body. But Sampson has listed the cause of Epstein's death as pending. When the Post asked her about these neck injuries, Sampson said in a statement that no single factor in an autopsy can alone provide the conclusive answer about what happened. But these new details add to the bizarre circumstances surrounding Epstein's death, which have launched a wave of questions and conspiracy theories. Even President Trump has egged on speculation without evidence that Epstein, whose alleged victims say they were pushed to have sex with his powerful and celebrity friends, might have been killed to keep him from spilling the secrets of others. People familiar with the autopsy say Samson's office is seeking additional information on Epstein's conditions in the hours before his death. This could include video evidence of the jail hallways, which would establish whether anyone entered Epstein's cell during the night he died. It would also include the results of a toxicology screening to determine if there were any unusual substances in his body. And her team will conduct interviews with guards and inmates who were near his cell. Jonathan Arden, the president of the National Association of Medical Examiners, tells us that a hyoid can be broken in many circumstances, but is more commonly associated with homicide and strangulation than suicide and hanging. He's not involved in the Epstein matter, but he says that in general, a finding of a broken hyoid requires pathologists to conduct much more rigorous investigation. That investigation can include analysis of the location of the noose, how narrow the noose is, and if the body experienced any substantial drop in the course of the hanging. The age of the deceased is important. Arden explained that the hyoid starts out as three small bones with joint-like connections. But then when we get into middle age, it hardens into a U-shape that can break more easily. Hyoid fractures have previously sparked controversy in jailhouse deaths. One of the first stories I ever covered when I started at the Washington Post in 2008 as a Metro reporter covering crime in Maryland was the death of Ronnie White. White was a teenager who killed a police officer by ramming him with a stolen car in Prince George's County. The day after cops captured him in a manhunt, authorities announced that he had died of an apparent suicide in jail. But then two days later, the cause of death was changed to homicide when the state medical examiner discovered that the teen had a broken hyoid. Medical examiners concluded that White was probably strangled with a sheet, towel, or a crux of the elbow. Eventually, years later, the officer who moved White's body pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice. But no one was ever charged in White's death. 
the incident inflamed racial tensions. Eleven years later, it's still a point of contention in the community. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, just after midnight, a suspect surrendered after shooting six police officers in a North Philadelphia neighborhood. That had ignited a standoff that dragged out for more than seven hours. The suspect is Maurice Hill, a 36-year-old Philadelphia resident with a history of gun convictions. The mayor of the city of Brotherly Love says that all the officers who got hit are in good spirits and they're each expected to recover. Philadelphia Police Commissioner Richard Ross said in a news conference early this morning that he was surprised the suspect surrendered because he said he wouldn't. The commissioner added that tear gas shot into his home ultimately resulted in him coming out with his hands up, the suspect that is. Gunfire first broke out around 4.30 p.m. when cops attempted to serve a narcotics warrant that went awry almost immediately. Once they were inside the house, a barrage of bullets forced officers to return fire and retreat through windows and doors. Initially, there were two officers inside the house with the gunmen. They were there for a few hours until a SWAT team evacuated them, but the gunmen remained inside the house until the tear gas came. Number two, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper is preparing to withdraw from the contest for the Democratic presidential nomination and will probably announce a decision as early as today. Hickenlooper has been under pressure from national and state Democrats to abandon his presidential ambitions and to instead challenge Republican Senator Cory Gardner, who's regarded as one of the most vulnerable incumbents in the country in 2020. Trump is not expected to do very well in Colorado, which in recent elections had been a swing state. Hickenlooper reportedly has not made a final decision about the Senate, according to two knowledgeable sources. A third Democrat who's following the movements in Colorado closely says he believes Hickenlooper will join the Senate race soon. The former two-term governor who left office at the start of this year began to inform friends in Colorado last night of his likely decision to quit the race. Number three, Democrats in Congress are quietly bracing for a new public fight with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu after his government informed congressional leaders yesterday that it would formally announce that Congresswomen Ilhan Omar, the Democrat from Minnesota, and Rashida Tlaib, the Democrat from Michigan, would be denied entry into the country because of their support for a boycott movement against Israel. But it's now unclear if Netanyahu will follow through on this decision after a very strong private backlash from the Democratic leadership and some U.S.-based pro-Israel groups who warned against the precedent of barring sitting members of Congress from entering Israel because of their political beliefs. Democrats say such moves are not emblematic of a country that prides itself as a democracy tolerant of political expression. The prime minister met a few hours ago with senior ministers and heads of the security establishment and legal branches to reach a final decision about what to do. With three weeks to go before a repeat election on September 17th, the long-serving leader is fighting a bitter battle to stay in office, and he needs to appear strong to his fractured right-wing base. Axios reported over the weekend that Trump was very disappointed and complained to aides about Israel's earlier announcement that it would permit Tlaib and Omar to visit. The two women are among the four lawmakers who the president said should go back to where they came from, even though three of the four were born in the U.S., and one, Omar, has been a U.S. citizen since she was a teen. That makes it ironic that Trump doesn't want them to be able to leave the United States to visit the Middle East. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, August 15th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.